0: Welcome to Into the West, a Middle-Earth SPG podcast where we break down and discuss the competitive side of the game. I'm Charles, and with me today are Richard, Ian, and Alexander. In this episode, we will be talking about the wizard Gandalf the Grey, and as usual, we will be sharing army lists associated with this profile. You can find all of our army lists today on our Facebook page. If you're not already following our Facebook page, just search Into the West podcast on Facebook. And finally, in our open topic today, we will be discussing the differences between the Lord of the Rings armies and the Hobbit armies, and whether Power Creep exists in this game. So, before we get into our first segment, Ian recently, uh, last week, has attended a tournament. And uh, Ian, would you like to share some of your experiences at this tournament? What kind of tournament, and how many games did you play, and what army did you bring?
1: um yeah so honestly first thing i have to say it was just like it was really cool just seeing a lot of these guys again like we have a bit of a chat locally on facebook but you know it's not the same as like interacting in person so it was just really neat to see all these guys again yeah that was awesome uh it also inspired me to start painting again because <laughs> i kind of lagged off for a while there in quarantine like, I started strong for the first month, and then it was nothing. And then the past, like, three weeks, I think... Well, I painted up the majority of my army, so... No, that's good. Yeah, good to have a bit of motivation. Um, we, haven't,
0: we haven't had a tournament since March now. So, it's been, like, a good half a year.
1: Yeah, since early March, too. Yeah, so it's been about six months. And I think that's probably the longest time I've gone without playing at a tournament in, like, six years, maybe seven years. <laughs> so... I like yeah, it's weird thinking about that, but especially compared to last year where you know I think there was a stretch there for about three months or four months where I was going to a tournament every two weeks, that <laughs> <It> was crazy, <laughs> so there's a big big transition from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty but uh yeah, it is definitely nice to to be back
2: well, you're the first one out of us to get back into the tournament scene,
1: yeah i i that's probably why I was pretty. I was, I was itching to go. I mean, it wasn't too bad. It was hosted at one of the local players' houses. So he had two boards set up inside, like in separate rooms, and then two boards set up outside in the backyard. So it was a maximum of eight players. It was pretty chill. We we, we had most of our group talks and announcements outside, so everybody was, like, spaced pretty nicely. For the most part, whenever we were inside, everybody had masks on and stuff, and there's hand sanitizer and whatever. So, you know, it's COVID-friendly. I don't think you'd ever want to... Do anything outside of like a house like that or a small venue for the next few months, anyway. But I, I definitely think it's, it's a viable option, you know, at least to kickstart things back a bit. Yes, you know, having it at people's houses. So, as for the event itself, it was 800 points and there was kind of more of a, a theme of just, you know, having fun lists. You know, we're getting back into it, whatever you want to do. So, with that in mind, I had a list I'd been wanting to try for a very long time. I basically just thrown together like everything I had for my airborne dwarves and my iron hill stuff. And it basically came out to eight hundred points and it looked like a lot of fun. So I really wanted to test it out. It was what was it? It's Thror with twelve Guardians of the King, so the, the Grimmer Hammers, the Strength Four Grim Hammers. Thrain with four Erebor Dwarves with Spear and Shield. And then Dane on Fergus, his piggy, with twelve iron hills with spear and shield, and six iron hills with crossbows. And it it's just I dunno, I thought it was Like going to be super fun just to run in there with three big tanky dwarves and just smash stuff up. And yeah, it was pretty cool. (laughs) It was pretty cool. That list does hit uh, pretty hard. I'm sure Alex and Richard can kind of attest to that. We had a couple practice games. (laughs) Yeah, and I think it synergizes pretty well. You know, you get the banner from Thror, the six-inch banner, and then Dane still gets to keep his four-up Master of Battle and stuff. So it's, it's fun. Yeah, I had fun with it. As for the tournament, the other thing that was kind of funny is, like, this has happened a few times where everybody won't really talk about their army lists beforehand. And then for some reason, a few people always get the same idea. Like, Oh, I've never run this before. I'm going to run that at this tournament. It'll be so unique. And then like three or four people show up with the same thing. (laughs) Cause I know that's happened at last year at one of our tournaments, it was 12 people. Nobody ever really ran siege weapons. And then five people showed up with siege weapons. And then at another one we had earlier this year, like three people or four people showed up with dragons. (laughs) And then at this one, Three of us had Iron Hills or Erebor reclaimed lists. <laughs> wow. It was yeah, it was it was interesting.
0: And there was um, eight, of,
1: eight of you guys. Yeah, there was eight of us. So mostly all local guys, and there was one newer guy from Surrey, I think. Uh, and I think he ended up winning best painted too. He had this really interesting alliance, uh, with Dale. Well, not interesting, but it was it's cool, like really cool to see on the table. Um, with Dale and Erebor. And he had like the he had some really nice freehand on the cloaks on the uh, the Dale guys, so that was cool. And then seeing a whole bunch of Dale guys out on the table was awesome to see.
0: Nice to see some com- new competition for best painted at our events.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. He had uh, he had some cool bases too. I think is is kind of like the the nice freehand on the cloaks and then the detail on the bases. He made these little mushrooms I think out of um, hot glue, and they looked really good. And he painted them up, so it was kind of like fit like the murky foresty kind of stuff. It was cool. And then on the dwarf bases, he had, like, that green tile you see in Erebor. But like, a really eerie kind of glow. Yeah, it was, it was sick. It was really cool. As for my games, what would I play in round one? In round one, I played... Oh, jeez, I'm forgetting now. <laughs> I think you messaged us. You played uh, I, Ben, right? I did, yeah. I played Ben. I just... I'm trying to... I forget what he had. Okay, yeah. Ben had a really interesting Gothmogs Legion list. Like, and, and one that actually, like, kind of worked. I was surprised. Um, basically, he had seven heroes. Like, I think all the heroes you can get in the list, including a shaman and just a normal captain. And about 30, low 30s-ish of uh, Moran and Orcs. But, like, half of them didn't even have shields. They just had, like, just, like, no weapons or, like, just their hand weapons or spears. But, yeah, so I played him in the first round. We were playing Fog of War. We kind of ended up on this, like, board that had, like, this open plane. We kind of ran at each other because the other half of the table, the other, like, two by four was really hard to maneuver on. We had, like, a nice little fight. Battle was joined and whatever. And about halfway through the game, I looked down and I was like, okay, cool, yeah, like, I've got, you know, maybe 15 to 20 of his orcs dead. That's awesome. Like, I'm doing pretty well. I'm getting close to breaking him. And then I looked at my dead pile and I was like, oh, my God, I'm almost at the same with my dwarves. What's happening? (laughs) It's just there's so much strength five in there, and, and it's and I was very dubious of that, and like I didn't think it would work, but it it hit pretty hard, and I I think he forgot to call, uh, the time of the orc has come too, and he's, he's just all the heroes and all the strength five just bashed through my door. I'm sure
0: Alex can relate to that.
3: No, I think the number of times that I've forgotten to call the once per game battlefield wide reroll failed wound with that list is just upsetting but you know it sounds like even if he forgot to do it that list sounds like it worked out pretty well for him yeah it was it was pretty good and you know i think that
1: kind of harkens back to the point we had with uh Gothmog and, like in his episode you gotta call it in, like the first or second turn of combat otherwise you just you're never gonna hit that maximum efficiency point or you know or you'll just forget about it anyway yes in the last turn we had a four point victory point swing for him. He managed to heroic combat with Goroth, who had previously done like nothing the whole game, with his last point of my hero combated onto his objective, and then some random orc managed to beat Dane in a fight after Dane hero combated into the orc. Won the fight, wounded Dane, and then Dane failed his last fate point, so he got another point for that. <laughs> And then we rolled the 1 too, 2, so I couldn't contest it the first time we rolled it. It was just like, oh, no. It end the game so fast. Yeah, yeah to end the game. Uh, but yeah, that game was fun. It was, it was a good time. Uh, ben is always a lovely man to play against. Second round was against his brother, Nick. And Nick had a, uh, I think it's just Erebor Reclaimed list. He had Thorn on Goat, eight Goat Riders, I want to say, and the Champions of Erebor Chariot with all the heroes on it and I played against him before when he had just the normal iron Hills chariot and it wasn't too bad. Like I managed to surround the chariot and just get enough attacks on it, and just kill the chariot and everybody on top just dies when that happens. So I was kind of thinking maybe that would happen. I was horribly wrong. Um, the champions of Erebor Chariot is gross. It's well worth the five well, it's not maybe not well worth the five hundred points in like a really competitive game, but it can definitely dish out the damage. It probably killed like half my army, including Dane and Thrain. But I, I did end up winning that game in Reconnoitre, because I just managed to swamp him with dwarves and then just run a whole bunch of guys off. The most memorable combat of that whole thing was I had Thorin surrounded with Thor and like eight dwarves for like three turns, and he just kept on winning the fights. And then on the last fight, Thor was down to one wound, no fate. And we both rolled no sixes. He'd do to a six. I used Thor banners to a six. And then he rolled the one or the two. And I was like, oh my god, thank you, because I was about to lose my leader too. So that was, that was intense. And then, yeah, just the Iron Hills chariot can be really gross. It's so hard to stop if it gets rolling.
2: I just remember uh, before this game started for you, you just sent, like, in in our group chat, you were like, oh, no, look, guys, what I'm up against. And just a picture of the <laughs> of the Iron Hills chariot.
1: <laughs> well, I, like, at first I was super worried, because, like, oh, he's just going to run, like, four goats off, and then I'm going to be stuck fighting the chariot the whole game. But I managed to bog down the, the goats, yeah, but... That chariot is just, with the fight six and like that many might on it, it's it's kind of gross. It's, yeah, it's nasty. I think it might have been a
2: good thing that you guys played Reconnoiter, though. That was probably a little bit favored for you because he didn't have a lot of spare models running around.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, after I sent that picture to you guys, I was like, wait a second, I think I can actually do this decently well if I can just get dwarves going up the sides because he's not going to be able to stop them. But it was really interesting playing that chariot, and I kinda understand why Green Dragon is so in love with uh, that massive kondish list chariot list, because <laughs> I mean, if you had a couple of kings running around rolling over guys, you know, that's it's pretty gross. <sighs> pre pre wounds before before uh, even shooting, like in the move phase, that's that's good. And then my last game was destroy the supplies against this like alternative. Scouring the Shire list. So it had a few of the new (laughs) Hobbit heroes. um, Like both the the Sheriff ones. A whole bunch of Hobbits like... uh, He had like 20 Bowmen. So around 60 Hobbits. No. Yeah, around 60 Hobbits. And then he had Denethor allied in. Who was was supposed to be like the Grima. With a whole bunch of Citadel Guard and Rangers. But for the Citadel Guard he was using um, Corsair models. So they were like mercenaries or whatever. And then he had Saruman... The, of many colors, you know, Saruman the white allied in. So that was just a cool game to play because I haven't played Hobbits in a long time and I haven't really played against Saruman and I have to say, this Saruman with, like, the re-rolls and stuff I felt like I had no board control like the whole game especially with all the shooting. It's just like, okay, I gotta run at you and you're just gonna mobilize my hero and I just have to try and fight and just see what happens. I, I did end up winning like barely at the end. We, we were so close to timing out and, um Ilya, who I was playing, was like, like pretty nice. He like helped us squeeze in like one more turn to get things wrong, just because it was it was a slog to get you know slow moving dwarves up 24 inches to his gun line. But yeah, it was it was an interesting game. And that game was also outside too, so all my games were outside, and we kind of got rained on a little bit at the end there. So <laughs> that was interesting. There's uh two new things for COVID games that I've had now is that. Uh, I've had one get rained out, and I've also had one be called because of time, because it got too dark. <laughs> so those are interesting experiences. But overall, yeah, it was just a lot of fun to play at a tournament again and see all those guys. And I think the list that won was uh, Turlock. Yeah, it was Turlock. He had, what's his name, the Special Mumak, who's 400 points, the, the, war the leader. War leader. Yeah, the war leader and another Mumak. I have no idea how he won the whole thing, but... Yo, good on him. That's awesome. Yeah, I think I finished second overall. So I was pretty happy, you know, with the dwarf dwarf smash list. It's all about combat, as it should be, but I do like the redundancy of having the three heroes, because even against Saruman, he could only immobilize one of them a turn, so the other two could go do their thing. And surprisingly, I think, now that I'm thinking about it, out of all three of my games, I think Thror... May have actually been the best hero out of all of them because everybody just focused on Dane or Thrain. So Thor could just sit there in the middle of my line, chopping down a couple dudes a turn, heroic combating, doing shenanigans, tying up heroes, which was really interesting. And the banner effect from the army bonuses. Muy bueno. It's good. But I think we'll get into that later.
0: All right. Thanks for sharing your experience at the recent tournament. And it sounded like it was fun. To our first segment for today, Ganalf the Grey. I am a serpent of the
3: secret fire, wielder of the flame of Arnor. The dark fire will not avail you, flame of Uldun!
0: So, this profile, I believe, has been around since 2001, and it's remained relatively unchanged, and I know there are a few new spells and war gear changes, but Overall, it's pretty similar to the one that we started out with when the game was released. Uh, I think that's pretty interesting. So he's a a wizard, a hero of legend. He's 170 points base. Now, there are two different profiles for Gandalf. We'll go over the differences uh, after, but there's one for the Lord of the Rings and one for the Hobbit. Uh, He's move six, fight five, strength four, defense five, 1 Attack, 3 Wounds, Courage, 7, 3 Might, 6 Will, 3 Fate, and uh, he comes with a Staff of Power, Glamdring, and Narya. So Narya is the Ring of Fire that allows him to re-roll his Fate, and Glamdring is an Elven-made, and half sword. Now, just from his stat line, um, what's everyone's experience playing with or against uh, Gandalf the Grey?
1: I mean, he's he's pretty much your standard wizard, right? He's got a couple of things that are cool, mostly with the sword where he can go up to strength 5. That's always handy for a little bit of cheeky, extra hitting power. I think the other thing that's unique to him in regards to more of like the base profile are his uh, heroic actions. I think he's got channeling and strike. Does he have any others? And
0: resolve. He has resolve. And
1: resolve. Okay, yeah. So that's pretty cool. I, I think the biggest thing there is the strike, because the other two wizards, um, Radagast and Saruman, they have defense instead. So he is kind of a nice way to sneak in an extra, an extra strike into your list if you want it.
2: Yeah, I would say as well, him having three fate and Naria, so being able to reroll the fate makes him a pretty good leader choice as well. And him being a hero of legend, a lot of the times that he's just automatically your leader anyway. So I think even at the defense five, I think he's quite durable.
0: Yeah. So I just want to mention that Gandalf is obviously a major character in both the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. So it makes sense that he's in a lot of lists. So he's in the Fellowship list as a hero legend. He's in the Shire list as a hero valor. And um, he's a he's in Thorn's company as a hero legend. He's in I believe the White Council as a hero legend, and he's. Uh, Hero of Valor in uh, Survivor's of Lake
1: Town. So, he's Valor in uh, the White Council because Saruman oh, takes yeah. the legend spot.
0: Right, right. My mistake. So basically, the, there are two lists where he can lead troops, which is uh, in the Shire and in Survivor's of Lake Town. And in those two, he's a Hero of Valor, so he can lead 15 troops. I like how Glandring is a hand and a half sword. It just means that you're always strength five, whether you want to go two handed or one handed. The being able to win ties on a 3-plus with an Elven made Sword is a really nice bonus, especially when you want to win as many fights as you can because you want to keep him alive for his magic. Ian kind mm-hmm. of talked about the heroic action. So he has Resolve, uh, Channel, and Strike. Now, earlier I was saying that there are two profiles for this hero, and the difference is in the war gear options. So in the Lord of the Rings, Gandalf the Grey, you can take a cart for 25 points and a horse for 10 points. The one in the Hobbit, you can take a horse for 10 points. So the one in the Hobbit doesn't have the cart option. Does anyone have any uh, experience with the cart? Just because we don't really see it. It's a nice model. Um,
1: Yeah. It's It's basically a
0: a three wound mount that only moves eight. And it's on a 60 mil base. And it has a, a, a really interesting rule where it can shoot fireworks. At the start of a friendly shoot phase, you select a single enemy model within six of the cart. And on a four plus, they suffer a strength two hit. So it's basically a single strength two shot without inning in the ways.
1: I mean, it'd be kind of nice in like a Hobbit army where he's only there to buff it, and he can just randomly, you know, shoot at a thing. Would he be able to mite that then? It
0: sounds like it's a. It, it doesn't sound like it's a shot. So maybe this needs to be in the FAQ, but. Maybe. I don't
3: know. It, you see, it seems like it's just a
0: of... it's just an effect from the cart itself. So yeah, I would I would put it similar to like a like a chariot's trample damage. So on at first glance, I would say no. But
2: I mean, yeah, like I don't think this is really a competitive choice. But I'm just looking at the strength too. And if there's no in the ways, you can technically target an enemy hero's horse, and that could be kind of useful. Yeah,
0: Ooh. looking at the shen- shenanigans potential. I was thinking banners,
1: but that's actually a good shout-out, too. Yeah, yeah, you can, can shoot f- into
0: combat without In the Ways.
1: It would be all uh, on fives. To okay, wait, hold horse. on, hold on, hold on. Now, now I'm thinking <laughs> Gandalf card OP. How many um, points this is this? Like 20 it's
0: 25 points, and um, the, the movement, it is only 8 inches. So that's another downside, right? You're on a big base, and uh, you're only moving 2 more inches than on foot.
1: Oh, yeah. because I'm reading it right now, and it says on a four plus that model suffers a strength two hit. So if it was on a cab, would it be on the mount and the rider? Sounds like it. You can like argue, yeah. It sounds like I the same know. wording as flame burst. <laughs> Gandalf card op calling it right now. Yeah, uh, I, think, <laughs> I
0: think I think it he might be both bonuses,
1: from... though. Does he? Does it have the? It's
0: the same charge bonus. It's a it's a mount, so it, it doesn't would say
1: cavalry it. keyword though, or. It doesn't say cavalry keyword,
0: but he is a mount, so I would assume that you would have two attacks on the charge. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't um, contest that.
1: That's just interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, but but that is a good point about uh, the fireworks, uh, being able to hit mount and rider. It doesn't sound like it's a projectile, you know, like kind of like uh, Black Dart and Flame Burst, you don't need to do in the ways. It doesn't sound like it's a shot because mm-hmm. there's no movement penalty
1: either. And, you know, also just mounting him up in general, it adds if he's going to get shot at. I mean, probably not because he'll have blinding light up, but that just kind of means he's got an extra in the ways and stuff. And I guess in combat, could you still directly strike him? I guess so.
2: Yeah, and with the cart having three wounds, it would be pretty hard to take down by, like, um, arrow fire or even, like, leg Legolas's deadly shot kind of thing. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Mm. New Maybe meta. another underused model. <laughs> Getting off on cart meta coming locally. It's um, going to happen. Richard, let's see... Or Charles, you're the guy who does all these conversions.
0: <laughs> well, it is a model. It is actually a model.
1: True. I also just feel like out of anybody, you'd be the one who owns one.
0: I do have one.
1: Ooh. Um,
0: I haven't used them yet, though. Moving on to his magical powers. So he's he's got quite a decent-sized uh, list of magical powers he can cast. Blinding Light on 2+, Terrifying Aura on 2+, Immobilize on three plus with a 12 inch range. Command, 12 inch range four plus. Protection of the Valor four plus. It doesn't have the range there, but uh, in the rules manual, it's a three inch range. Strength and Will 12 inch range four plus to cast. Collapse Rocks six inch range at five plus to cast. And Sorcerer's Blast at 12 inch range five plus to cast. So I think immediately what stands out is that um, he seems to be the only hero. The only wizard um, and the only caster that is able to cast sorcerer's blast and have binding light and have immobilize in the game, uh, besides getting off the white, uh, I see a lot of heroes like Galadriel, Saruman. They have maybe two of the three, um, but not all three of them. I think that's pretty interesting how he's kind of like jack of
1: all trades. Yeah, his casting values aren't like amazing because he's sorcerer's blast on a five plus. But the utility of having all the spells is really nice.
2: Yeah, and you have the more niche spells like Protection of the Valor, Strength and Will, and uh, Terrifying Aura and stuff like that. So um, I've never really seen the collapse Rocks being used, but I'm sure there's a situation where it's better than Sorcerer's Blast. It,
0: it seems like a Sorcerer's Blast is better in almost every situation it's got a farther cast
1: range and it
0: also it can knock models over and knock models back
1: i think it's only if you channel collapse rocks and there, there's like a decent number of enemy models in that kind of a terrain piece then it's actually better i think mm. that's the only time i would use it which like it's so niche
0: i think it'd be cool if they made like a mechanic where if you cast collapse rock it creates like a either like an impassable terrain for one turn like a small area or like if models march through that area they take a hit or something but that'd be yeah
1: maybe that's too much utility <laughs> I, honestly even if they just up the strength by like one or two i think it'd be better for like the normal hit because it's so hard to pull off
0: if it's strength 6 yeah i think that's fair you also don't see protection of the valor used very much which i'm a little bit surprised i've i mean i've used it once or twice it's actually very good it essentially it protects a hero for one turn or a model for one turn from all special rules and magical powers. They can't be transfixed. They can't be affected by any special rule. Uh, they can't be fell light. I think it's really useful. Maybe it just doesn't get used because you just think about sources blasting to protect that
2: hero. I think it's definitely really good because, um, especially because he doesn't have uh, fortify spirit. So if you have Gandalf the Grey instead of Gandalf the White and then you're versing some enemy casters, then I think that's a, that's definitely a spell you could
1: use on one of your big killy heroes. Yeah, I think the reason it doesn't get used a lot is because you kind of have to move first for it to really work. Or I'm understanding how that works, because if like one of your heroes gets immobilized and then you cast it on that hero after the opponent has done their move, does the Immobilize go away? I don't think so, right? I don't
0: think it cancels the effects. It just makes them immune for the rest of the turn.
1: Yeah, so... so I you think you're right. First, And then, even if you're moving first, if you're going up against one enemy Spellcaster, it might be more worth it for you to just try and, like, Immobilize them. I think that's probably why it doesn't get used a lot, but, I mean, against something like uh, Richard's Crazy Mordor list, I could see it being useful. It's like four <laughs> casters. Yeah, three, but...
3: I think... I mean, I I just treat it kind of like the the nice little extra. I look at it compared to his other spellcasting abilities, and he's really just got all the tools necessary to really uh, support a list that has weaknesses against other big heroes. Something where obviously being able to protect a hero that maybe has only one will point or uh, one fate point, or only has one or two wounds, it's very useful. But I think it has its moments. It's obviously it's not like a a blinding light that you're going to use every game or, you know, more than once a game.
0: I also don't see strength and will used very much. I mean, I can understand why. I had some discussions with Ian on this during last edition. It only works on a 4+, and I just think giving another hero a point of will on a 4+, is, is very conditional, especially when you already have heroic resolve and protection of valor to protect heroes from magic.
1: I think if it was on a 3-up, it could, it would get used more. Right now, the only time I ever see it being used is on Alfred in a Lake Town list, but that's if you're like set up in like a shield wall and the enemy's coming towards you and you, you have nothing to do for a couple turns, you might throw your free die on a Striking Well on him to try and get some more might generation. But yeah, it's not, it's not a big thing that happens a lot.
2: I think um, it could be used um, with Elrond and Arwen as well. Heroes that have some spells or some dangerous spells that you can use like nature's wrath but then they don't have unlimited will so you can kind of recharge those yeah that's
0: a that's a good point i guess the first four spells on the list are you know we can all agree that they're really useful spells because we see them used a lot blinding light against shooting terrifying aura essentially gives gandalf terror and then Mold multiplies in command uh, to shut down heroes and to move enemy heroes Um, Okay, so uh, let's go to the ratings for Gandalf.
3: I think he's obviously a very strong hero. The ability to... to, uh, The number of lists that he goes into obviously really affects his ability. I see him quite frequently because of it. How I would rate him, he has a lot of points, but he does have a very strong toolbox of different spells, different abilities. He is capable of fighting... At times selectively, I think if you have him in a list where he is naturally part of the list and can lead troops, then I think he's a solid eight and a half, nine. If he's allied in, like we see frequently where he's from the fellowship list being allied into one of the other armies, I think he's a solid eight, probably. Yeah, I think he is well-costed wizard and
2: in comparison to gandalf the white this might be a discussion for another day but i think he's just much better value whereas gandalf the white at 240 i feel like does things a little bit better than him but um also can't cast as many different spells so i think like ian said previously this one this version of gandalf is just the jack of all trades, and you know with the strength vibe, he can do a little bit of fighting as well. Um, I think he's just a really, really solid support hero. I'd probably give him a eight and a half out of ten.
1: Um, I'm a bit torn because there's like I think there's kind of two ways you can run him, right? There's the way if you want him as your leader, 100%, so you take him as a hero of legend, but then he's not bringing any troops along with him. So, having a one drop kind of, t- and he's 170 points or 180 points if you mount him, that takes away a lot of your list. So, a little bit torn, but I think just the, the crazy amount of utility you can get from him, like if you want just that hero of legend as your leader, or if you want to bring him as a like hero of valor and just bring some extra troops, is really handy, especially compared to the other two wizards. Yeah, I'd go like maybe eight and a half. Yeah, I'd say eight and a half. Uh,
0: yeah, so. I think Gandalf is probably the most well-rounded caster uh, on the good side. He's missing like Or of Command and Or of Dismay, but he has uh, a, a nice set of spells that you can cast in most situations that would benefit your army. I probably rate him a little bit higher than when you take him in the Shire or Lake Town, but uh, the Alliance Matrix isn't as flexible for those lists, so I think it kind of balances out. Uh, I probably give him an uh, eight. Okay, so next, we're going to each share an army list and give our feedback and our thoughts and share our strategies. So, first up is my list, which is a 600-point Shire list with Gandalf the Great. So, just as I mentioned earlier, this is a form of Gandalf the Great where he can lead an army. So, Gandalf the Great is my leader. He has a horse. I didn't actually go for the cart, unfortunately. Uh, Get Off the Grey on Horse with 10 militia and 5 archers in his warband. Bannerbus Took with 8 militia and 4 hobbit archers in his warband. Bilbo Baggins with Mithril Coat, and he has 8 militia and 4 archers in his warband. Farmer Maggot with his 3 dogs and 5 militia and 4 archers in his warband. A Dunedain with 2 militia and 1 archer. And a second Dunedain with 2 militia and 1 archer. So this is a 600-point list. 63 models, 9 might, and 21 bows. Uh, so, the idea behind this list is to use the two threats, two main threats Gandalf the Gray and a Banderbus took combined with Bilbo Baggins. So, Bilbo Baggins has the ring in this list, and I think that combined with Banderbus' ability to strike is really powerful. Banderbus is only fight three, so I think he goes really well with Bilbo to take on like a like a bigger hero. Plus, he's on a horse, so he has the cavalry charge. The 21 bows are there to whittle down the enemy. I think with 21 bows, most armies at 600 points would have to come to me. So, I am a little bit lacking uh, in combat with my fight one militia, but. I think I have enough of them where I would be able to do well in uh, scenarios that require grabbing objectives or mobility. They are quite slow at movement 4, but I have so many of them I would be able to pair them off early game and kind of get to uh, the places I need to be. So I'll be using the Hobbits to tie up uh, enemy threats and use Gandalf to kind of slow them down with Sources Blast, with Immobilize, with Command, and the Blinding Light obviously to help against enemy shooting. I'm just going to have to avoid combat a bit and rely on my bows to do most of the damage.
2: Just to clarify, uh, Gandalf the Great, you said was your leader?
0: Yes, uh he has to be my leader because he is my only hero of valor.
2: Uh no, Banderverse Took is actually a valor as well.
0: Okay. I think also- like I still think I would choose Gandalf as the leader in this case because he's just more he's
1: more survivable. Yeah. So you lose your army bonus then, hey? Yes, yeah, I uh, it, that.
0: Yeah, If you take Bannerbus with any other, I think, named Hobbit heroes, then you lose yeah. the bonus. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which I'm okay with. I think the army bonus of being woodland creatures is a little bit conditional, and I'm okay with losing that.
2: But I mean, putting some Hobbit archers in the forest, it kind of nullifies their 4-inch move. It's kind of nice sometimes. But um, I guess my thoughts on the list is, I guess it's a unique choice taking um uh, over Mary or Mary Adok, Captain of the Shire is. I think that's usually the standard pick. Um, uh, you can't
0: take yeah. you can't take Mary and Gandalf in the same list. Like it, it straight up says that you can't. I think it's in the first page beside the army bonus. Yeah, it's uh, uh,
1: Yeah. yeah. Can't take any any of the four named. obviously ah, the four main.
2: Hobbies. Theme blocked me again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because then besides like three of them like Sam, Merry, and Pippin all have strike, but other than that, you only have Vandelbris, right?
0: Yeah, and that was the idea to pair Gandalf with Vanderbus, 'cause because uh, he brings strike and brings like the only strike with with Gandalf. <laughs> and I kind of chose Bilbo to synergize with Vanderbus.
1: Yeah. I like it. I like it with Bilbo. I I think he adds. I mean, it'd be nice if you had the the woodland creature just because you are so slow. But granted, that's not going to help you in every game. So you'll probably get more use out of having Bilbo there. And yeah, yeah, fair enough.
0: I thought about dropping one archer uh, because I'm in I'm I'm at 63 models, so 62 would be the same breakpoint. And using that archer's points to give both my Dunedain spears so they can support with fight four. And maybe up upgrade two militia to sheriffs, but that would just be a minor change.
1: Probably a good change. I mean, going from twenty bows to twenty one is, is not a huge difference. And I think having that versatility and then, yeah, I, actually, I don't even know if I would go for the spearsman dune. I think I just go for just give uh, upgrade five militia to sheriffs, just because the the hand and a half clubs are, are super handy. I think.
2: I also like the inclusion of Farmer Maggot a lot. Um, I played against him several times, and having those three dogs at move eight really helps your uh, mobility as a Shire list. And, I mean, 63 or 62 models with 20-something bows and 600 points, I mean, that's that doesn't sound like a fun list to go against. And you also have a wizard supporting in the back. And then you have a four-inch move bat swarm running around in Bilbo Baggins. Yeah. I mean, I know like they've kind of the Shire has taken a nerf in this edition, but this seems like a pretty strong list and quite well-rounded in most scenarios. So I think I would give it a valor.
0: It's too bad I couldn't get a Heroic march in there.
2: Right.
1: Right. It would have been nice that's to kind have of with a them. a big one. Yeah. That's a big but. weakness. So I'm just going to piggyback on that with Farmer Maggot. So he actually has a two-handed weapon, too. So, you know, you can combo him with Bilbo, I guess, or Bandabrus, or both of them, and that, that gives you a little bit more hitting power because he's got the two attacks. So mean, two attacks, if you trap, then you get four strikes with a plus one to wound. It's handy. And then, yeah, Fang and Wolf, super handy for Hobbit Force. Well, yeah, I played against it this, this past weekend at the tournament, and yeah, it was, it was very handy for them in the, the objective scenario. Put a lot of pressure on me. I think, though, the biggest thing is you you don't have a banner and I don't think you have any banner effect do you?
0: I would have to take Bill the Pony. Oh okay.
1: Can you take Bill without Frodo?
0: Um, you mean
1: Sam? Or Sam, know. sorry.
0: Oh, Bill is not in the list. So I would have to I would have to ally in Fellowship.
1: Yeah. Which I could. It's I I believe it's it's a uh, convenient allies. Yeah, you'd have to get rid of Bandiverse then. But I think. Yeah, you just you have so many models, right? And they're so slow. You really need the banner effect because you don't have any anything to any spears to throw behind. The banner effect is huge because like you can wrap around the flanks, but it takes a lot longer than you think, just because they are so slow. Yeah. I guess um,
0: yeah. I guess um, I could I could also take um, Will uh, Whitfoot, which is one of the new heroes from Scouring of the Shire. He has a six inch banner effect, but uh, it, he has to spend a will, and he has three will points.
1: Even that would be handy. I mean, yeah, yeah it, it might be better to drop Bandibris for somebody like that. If you could ally in Halberd, that would be nice with the banner of Arwen Evenstar. Okay, and lose Banderbus. Yeah, you definitely have to you lose Banders just so you can free up the points. But if you could find a way to do that, that might be like if you upped it. Because how many points are you at? You're at 600, right?
3: Yeah, um...
1: Maybe you could if you swapped out like the Dunedain and Bandobras mm-hmm. for that. I think that might be better. So that being said, ugh, see, the numbers are just scary. But they're all hobbits. They're all like most of them are fight two and fight one. Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of torn between saying it's fortitude or valor. I think I'm gonna go with fortitude, but it's like it's like a high fortitude. Okay. Yeah, if you had just, like, a bit of a banner or some something to march... Yeah, yeah. I think I think Ian actually
2: uh, swayed me a little bit with
1: the no <laughs> banner
2: and no Spears talk. Uh, made me a bit down on this list, so... Oh, no! <laughs> I think I might have to downgrade this to a fortitude as well, after looking at it again. Okay.
0: Well, pressure's on Alexander, then.
3: Pressure for what? Oh, pressure? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I... I, at this point, usually, you know, obviously uh, critiquing last, there's really not much else to say, aside from I really got to agree with Ian, obviously, the, um, the lack of the banner, the slow movement. As a as a dwarf player, I know what, what that can do to an army, and these are even slower than dwarves, so I think even though you do have a bit of strike, you do have a little bit of uh, mobility with the wolves and with Vanderbrus on his horse. You know, obviously when I see 61 models, initially that scares me. When I see 21 bows, that definitely scares me. But as Ian said, they're all fight one and fight two. They're little hobbit archers. They'll do a bit of damage, but other than that, I think those are, you know, you'll, you, you won't you will win a war of attrition with that list, ultimately. You might, but maybe not against a, a Mordor list, something with high numbers like that. Obviously not having the banner effect is quite a big negative when you don't have spear supports. It's almost as if I play a dwarf list naturally. Yeah, I'm going to give it a Hero of Fortitude. It's a pretty good one, but I, I think it's, it's definitely got its weaknesses. Ah,
0: no problem. Could be worse. Um, Alright, next list we have Ian with
1: his 700 point list. Basically I was going to take Gandalf in the Lake Town list. At 700 points is what we decided. And I I played around with a few ideas. Um, One of the ones is because, just because I'm taking Gandalf, the the one way that that you can build this in the pure list is you just, it's so easy. You take Gandalf, you take Bard, you give Bard all the upgrades, you throw in a captain, fill with militia, done. It's easy. That list kind of writes itself if you want to take all the toys. And I think that is probably a pretty good and decently competitive list, honestly. But it's just so easy to write. So I, I, I wanted to do something a little bit different. So the next idea I played around with was because if I'm not going to take Bard in the list, then I'll go for a yellow alliance. So I was like, okay, let's go and throw in Saruman in the white and have the dual wizards and it'll get a little bit crazy. So I had that, and I think I had Legolas too, but that list wasn't... I don't know, I didn't fill out the numbers enough, I had a lot of militia, I wasn't too comfortable with that. So I went back and started looking at the other alliances, um, and ended up deciding to go with the green alliance with Iron Hills. Now... I think the alliance between Lakedown and Mirkwood is better overall, but the one thing that the Iron Hills can do a little bit better is that they have Dane, and Dane can just hit harder than Friendville can because of the Strength 5 always and plus 1 to Wound. One of the ideas I have with this is having just Gandalf compel an enemy hero out, and then Dane just goes and whumps him in a turn for like that quick flash kill. Anyway, the list is Gandalf with horse. He's got six Militia with Bow and three Militia with Shield. My second Warband is the Militia Captain with Shield. He's got Alfred in his Warband, four Militia with Shield, and four Militia with Spear and Shield. Then I have Dane mounted on the pig with six uh, Iron Hills Warriors with Spear and Shield, one Iron Hills Warrior with Spear, Shield, and Banner, one Goat Rider, and five Crossbows. That comes to seven points exactly, 34 models, um, eight Might, Plus the 4-plus Master of Battle, plus extra Might shenanigans from Alfred, and 11 Bows and Crossbows. So even though I'm not getting both the bonuses from this green alliance, I think it's nice having the one on Dane. Just because that bonus is so good, having the extra Might shenanigans is awesome. And usually, with the way Alfred works, I'll end up with 11 Might in this list, plus a 4-plus Master of Battle. So that should give me a lot of ability to control over the flow of battle. So I'm happy with that. We've talked about the Militia Captain with Alfred. Alfred basically has to give the Militia Captain because he's the only hero with the Lake Town keyword. So he's going to have a ton of might. So I can either combo him with Dane to get some cheap heroic combats or actually even with Gandalf, honestly. If I want to do some cheeky combats with Gandalf, Gandalf brings the fight five. That could be interesting. But yeah, he's mostly there just for the heroic moves. So my other two heroes can save their might for other things and the marches. And then I mentioned earlier, yeah, just comboing Gandalf with the command and then Dane goes in and hits the thing with his big old hammer. I think it's got a decent amount of potential. What uh what do you guys think?
2: So I see that you're trying to prove your point with the um from the overrated hero segment that we had before in not taking Bard. <laughs> well,
1: not exactly, but yeah, it's kinda of coming off like that, isn't it?
2: <laughs> so I guess um I wanna know When you bring Iron Hill Dwarves and Lake Town Militia, how are you kind of forming your battle line? Are you keeping the Dwarves together so you get the shield wall bonus, or are you kind of staggering them so you get the higher fight value?
1: There's a bit of variability there. If I need to block off an area, what I can do is just put up those Militia that are in the Captain's Warband, because they all have shields. So they'll die, but hopefully they'll die slowly because they all have shields. Or if I really, really need to put something in, then yeah, I can make that little block of warriors with the, the dwarf banner. I think, yeah, you'd probably end up mixing in the dwarves for that fight four and the extra strength in there with the militia. That's kind of variable. I mean, yeah, it'd be yeah. nice if you could throw the militia with spear and shield, like go put them behind like the crossbows when combat happens, because then you get the higher defense in the fight four, and then maybe put the dwarves with spear and shields behind the militia with shields. Okay. you know mix mix up your line a lot uh that just kind of depends on what you're fighting against yeah
2: i think it's that's the best way to go just seeing what you're up against and what defense they are and what strength they are and kind of makes it match that way i've always had trouble with the men and dwarf alliances because of that because just difference in defense fight value and also movement kind of makes it hard to like if you had to march on an enemy then that difference in movement it's kind of hard to keep them together so I think like you said a more natural ally for Lake Town is just the Mirkwood Alliance it just fits a lot better but I think your heroes are just uh solid all the way around I love the Militia Captain and Alfred Combo I've used it a lot myself um and then especially if you get the axe option with the Militia Captain you can uh Piercing Strike to Strength 5 yeah and Dane is just a beast I like it, but I don't think out of the Hobbit alliances, this might be the most optimal. I just think there's just so many better combinations. So I think I would have to give this like a strong fortitude as well. Brutal.
1: Fair (laughs) enough.
2: (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) The scariest part of this list is the Dane with Gandalf, because we all know that Dane can be really hard to stop if you combine that with Gandalf's ability to blast threats against Dane and cast protection of the Valor on him. Yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty hard to stop. I played Iron Hills uh, quite a bit and I'm just generally not a fan of, uh, taking just a few crossbows. I either like to go just like all in, in the list and take like 10 of them or none of them just because they can't take shields. So you can't benefit from the shield wall rule. And I think given your numbers at 34, um, yeah, in my opinion, uh, you should have uh, as many dwarves of shields as possible. I yeah, it might just be a personal choice.
1: I could do that. I think I did toy around with trying to get the full six crossbows in there. Yeah, But the, the issue just comes down to it is that one dwarf is two militia. So if I did that, I'd only end up with 28 models, which when half of them are militia, I'm not super comfortable with that.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing, right? Because uh, at 34 models, uh, your militia are quite soft and... If you lose most of them, you're pretty close to breakpoint. One way I think you could boost your numbers is if you swapped uh, the Militia Captain with Hilda. It gives you a little more hitting power. And you already have a march on Dane, so losing the march on the Captain is okay. And it would probably free up room for you to take two or three more Militia. Yeah, just like tweaks here and there. I just, and I don't think the five crossbows synergizes with the rest of your list very well. They're really good with Gandalf's blinding light, but they might be moving a lot anyways to keep up with the rest of your army, and I don't know if they'll get to shoot a lot. I'm kind of struggling between a, a Fortitude and a Valor. Yeah, I think I think my gut is telling me uh, this is a, a Fortitude rating.
1: Yeah, that's actually a good shout-out with Hilda. I, I didn't actually look at it, because, yeah, you're right, Dane does have the march. It's a little weary giving her all the might, just because she's defense three. But, you know, if you have all those militia up in the front with axes, they'll be at strength four plus one to wound, and you put the dwarves behind with the fight four. That's a good shout-out. Yeah, that, that could that could hit pretty hard. Now, you probably have more experience than me, so you probably know, but
0: Alfred can also give himself the might. Uh, it is, it's, a, it's a friendly tech- Lake Town yeah, hero, and yes. he's, he's within yeah. range of himself, right? So, I mean, he can't march, but it's not like the might is wasted, because even if he rolls a one, he still gets it. So in a way it's, it's better. In a way it's better than giving it to Hilda, because well, he always guarantees that he gets it.
1: Yeah, I guess you could. If you did that, you could give one to him and then like two to Hilda, so then it's spread out a bit. Yeah, he can still call moves and combats with them as well. Yeah, I mean I wouldn't put him into combat if he had might left. <laughs> he's yeah. one defense three, one wound, one fate. Yes. But okay, yeah no, I do like the Hilda shout-out. You've convinced me. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe swap the captain for Hilda and a few more.
0: If you want a little little more numbers.
3: Yeah. yeah. I think it's a a solid list. Obviously, I I love the the Dane-Gandalf combo. I remember before one of our games, I toyed around while you were out of the room and just put Terrain around Dane, and when you came back, I said, this is the only way I'm going to stop him, is just boxing him inside Terrain and not allowing him to deploy because he's he's very powerful and obviously just being able to make him you know for a turn invincible to magic being able to draw out an opponent into a position where Dane can crush a troop or hit a hero extra hard obviously having alfred with a militia captain i'm a big fan of that because you can essentially you have the potential to make a militia captain uh, the size of Boromir for far fewer points. Uh, now the militia are with a shield are defense 5. Yeah, those those uh, wicker basket shields are are tough my dude. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: They're uh, stronger than the legendary Númenor armor, some say.
1: <laughs> or equal. <laughs> Allegedly, you know. That, that, that was a long time ago, maybe everybody's hyped it up over time.
3: Yeah. There's a legend where it's the door hinges that are still attached to the shields that make them extra strong. See, (laughs) their armor is evolving just backwards. (laughs) So, I mean, that's my only worry is the low defense amongst the militia. Obviously, the numbers are decent given the, the heroes that you have. I worry a little bit about mobility. I mean, you do have Dane on the pig, you have Gandalf on a horse, and you do have one goat rider. So I think this is probably a, I think it's a solid fortitude list. But outside of Dane, I, I, I think it has a little bit of a hard time in terms of hitting power. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's a solid fortitude.
1: Thought I was gonna squeeze at least one valor out of some of you, but okay. <laughs>
0: All right, up next we have uh, Richard's list at 800 points.
2: Okay, um, so my list is Gandalf the Grey on horse from the White Council list. Um, allying in, uh, we have Erebor reclaimed. So we have Thorn, Oak and Shield, King Under the Mountain on Wargo. Five Iron Hill Dwarves with shield. Five Iron Dwarves with shield and spear. One Iron dwarf with shield, spear, banner three Iron Hill Dwarves with Crossbow, one Goat Rider, and then the third Warband is Dwelling on Wargoat, six Iron Hill Dwarves with Shield, five Iron Dwarves with Shield and Spear, and three Iron Hill Dwarves with Crossbow. So to a total of 32 models, nine Might, and six Crossbows at 800 points. Strategy for this is very complex. You basically throw in Thorin and Dwalin and smash the enemy army and then Gandalf supports in the back, being the leader and all. So, thoughts, guys?
1: I okay. I was actually toying around with one of these ideas similar to this too when we were writing our lists and then Richard posted his list first. I was like, damn it, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> um, I, uh, I like it. Like, the numbers are kind of low, and your mobility... Well, you do have four guys who are mounted. Mobility isn't amazing because you you're don't. dwarves and you don't have the march, but that being said, Thorin does have the free hurl combats, so you can do a lot of moving in the fight phase. Yeah, if you combo Gandalf with like the goat rider, they could both move pretty quickly, and then the other two heroes can obviously kill and then move on from their fight. So you, you have a lot of surprise movement, I guess, like unexpected movement in the list isn't... I think you could definitely catch people off guard with that. And when it comes
2: to the movement, I know it might not be the fastest army, but if you're thinking about like going against shooty armies, I mean most things here are d8 and I also have blinding light, so usually you're not going to kill much even if it takes like five, six turns to
1: run up to you. That is true. That is very true. I'm assuming you just wanted to go for the six honesty bows. And then just bulk out your numbers. That's why you didn't max your bows. But, you know, I gotta I gotta do my little tisk tisk. <laughs> At least you got the honesty bows. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess they are good enough, honestly. With, yeah, six bows with the blinding light. If you want to get into a shooting war, you can. And then you're going to want most of your army moving up with two heroes anyway. So, alright, yeah, that's fair enough. Because your model count is so low. Okay. Yeah, yeah. As for my rating... You got banners um, banner and stuff... Yeah, I mean, I'll go Valor. You know you wanted to give it a good rating because you
2: wanted to build this list yourself. <laughs>
1: I know, I know, I know. I think, yeah, I think I'd go Valor. You kind of have the same idea that I do with, like, two dwarf heroes because Dwalin can hit as hard as Dane, but then you also have Thorin who could also hit hard enough. He's a three attack hero mounted. He can hit pretty hard. Yeah, but you have the two options. Yeah. Valor? I might change that.
3: Nah, nah, I'm going to go with Valor. Yeah, Valor. I think one of the... The first thing that jumps out at me when I look at this list, and maybe it's just previous experience, but it's seeing Thorin and knowing that Thorin isn't even the biggest combat threat in the list. I see Thorin, and then I look down one warband, and I see Dwalin. That's when I get scared. Dwalin is a hot knife through butter. He'll chop everything apart. Your numbers aren't great... And while I agree with Ian, you can do a lot of moving in the fight phase with the free heroic combats. Because your numbers are low, if you come up against an army with large numbers, I think that might be quite difficult just because you'll probably get tied down in a lot of one-on-ones. And if your opponent gets uh, the move off first, he'll be able to tie up your big heroes with one troop and essentially make them sit around for a turn. Or make their uh, heroic combats not optimal but it, it is a strong list as you've said in your uh, defense of the list it is very strong defensively obviously having blinding light with a defense eight core would make it very difficult to bring down before combat once you're in combat obviously thorin Dwalin, hell even gandalf can really uh, put some power in Being able to protect one of the other two heroes from magical powers would really help in allowing that hitting power to come through. I just worry that it might get bogged down because of the low numbers. But I I still think I'm going to have to give it a hero of valor, in part because I know how sneaky you can be with your movement. So, yeah, valor.
0: Okay, thanks, Alex. So, I know today's theme is Gandalf, but I just keep thinking that uh, Lady of Light would be the ideal hero here because you could just 4-5 uh, spirit your two beat sticks. And I've seen it a lot at conventions, this combination with Thorin, Dwalin, and Lady of Light. And even Gandalf, uh, he brings his own tools, right? Like, he can he can sorceress blast and with a 10-inch um, uh, threat range on his horse, he can take care of a lot of threats. Uh, and Thorin is your leader, right? Because uh, Gandalf is only a hero of valor.
2: Oh, right. So I guess because it's from the White Council, so... Thorne would have to be my leader. Correct. Well, yeah, I
0: think, think Thorn's company is red with Airborne Reclaim, so you can't pick the legend Gandalf.
1: So you can change one thing, Richard, actually. If you change it so he's from Lake Town, you'll keep your army bonus. So then Thorne gets a self banner. And banner for Dwallin. And, and Dwallin also. Okay,
2: it's bonus. Lake Town Gandalf.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, now I got a boost to change my rating. <laughs> It's a significant difference, right? Two of your biggest it heroes actually, get an extra dice. The um, self-banner on your leader is huge.
0: Yeah. So last edition, I played uh, lower points at 500 points with Thorne and Dwalin leading maximum Iron Hills Dwarves, and it was very effective. And their rules didn't really change that much with this edition, so I think this could still work. I like how like even though your numbers are low at 32 models, you're you have a lot of shields. I think 22 defense eight. Uh, shields when you went under the shield wall rule very tough and it kind of offsets your low numbers i'm gonna think a little bit like ian here and maybe suggest uh taking more crossbow and going closer to your maximum bows because you don't have march so i'm just thinking if you had maybe closer to 10 crossbows and put on blinding light and kind of rely on most of your opponents to come to you then you won't have to worry about mobility as much, and you could even drop the Go-Rider. Eight to ten crossbow, you would win most shooting wars. Feel free to disagree. This is just a thought that came into my head. But I think as it is right now, this is a Hero of Valor rating for me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I see what you mean by taking more crossbows. I think it's just generally a different playstyle. I think it would still be pretty strong. I guess my playstyle is pushing forward a bit to try to get into combat, because if I trade in the, for more crossbows, I would be downgrading a portion of my army from D8 to D6. And I think I would take the Goat Rider regardless, just to have the one non-hero cavalry for objective purposes, because you don't really want to run one of your big heroes, you know, off the board and Reconnoitre or go for supply and destroy the supplies scenario kind of thing that's that's um, fair
0: enough. kind of the same uh, sentiment as uh my comments on ian's list i just for iron hills crossbows my personal preference is just to either take enough of them to outshoot the enemy or don't take any at all but yeah you, you've, you've got a good point your mobility is pretty decent
2: yeah I, I think it just comes down to how you like to play um a certain list. so
1: one last comment and I know, I think you probably are wondering why I haven't said this to you yet, because I always say it to you, why no Orcrist?
2: Because it's 15 points.
1: It's 10 points. 10.
2: Oh, is it 10 points?
1: Still. <laughs> Give Thorin the Elven Blade. That's like the biggest thing for me, because he's your leader. Having the Elven Blade is nice.
2: So I would say that I considered it for Thorin. I would just never get it on Legolas. <laughs> that's, that's a never for me. That's a no. Oh. But I do think about it for Thorin here and there. But For
0: listeners who don't know, uh, Ian is the biggest Orcris fan. He'll put it on any heroes he's allowed to put it on.
1: Well, it's just like I can see. Yeah, it's not as useful on Legolas, but I think on Thorin in this, because he is like he's a bigger hero. People are gonna want to put their heroes in it into him to fight him, right? Like he's gonna fight heroes almost every game, or I, I would say every game, not almost like every game. He's gonna fight a hero. So having the the Elven Blade is just nice to have, and then you know the other benefits, you know, against Orcs and. Orcobs and Urkai is handy.
2: Yeah, but I guess it's just is it worth one guy? Especially when I have a even model count right now, so we'd change my breakpoint.
1: Well you could drop two guys and then get another goat rider, a couple more spears, and then give him Orkrist. That I guess that's kinda of like more of a personal preference thing. I think you'd be okay at thirty models though, with the blinding light.
3: Yeah, you'd be okay at thirty. The personal preference thing is a personal preference for Orkrist.
0: Alright, so our final list of the day is from Alexander in his 800-point
3: list. This was probably the hardest list for me to figure out how to write in all of the episodes that we've recorded so far. Obviously, I knew that I would be writing a list with Gandalf at 800 points from the Fellowship list so i essentially flipped through the book trying to figure out which army he would support the most which one would need him more than other lists and i settled on rohan and then i sat there for pretty much a solid seven days wondering how to build a (laughs) rohan list i really really struggled with this because on the one hand I have more than enough experience with the, uh, the Foot Rohan OP minor meta that goes around our group. If you mean minor meta by me, then I 100% yes.
1: agree. Foot Rohan OP, yes. throwing spears for life.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, it's just Ian. It's Your a minor meta. It's just hate Ian. me, I love it. <laughs> I struggle with that also because I know that so much of what Rohan gets in this edition is based around Theoden and being an all-mounted force. So these two things are in direct conflict with each other. So I essentially came up with a list that does not include Theoden, and is almost completely not mounted. Theodred with a shield, horse, and throwing spear. Four Rohan warriors with shield and spear. One with shield, spear, and banner. Four warriors with bow and throwing spear. Three royal guard with spear. Daerwine with horse. Six warriors with shield and spear, four with bow, throwing spear, two royal guard with spear, captain of Rohan, armor, shield, and a horse, six warriors uh, with shield and throwing spear, four with bow and throwing spear, two royal guard with throwing spear, and then Gandalf on a horse. The strategy behind this list is um, please help me, I don't have one. Uh, I tried to make this. I failed. Bon appetit. <laughs> Who wants to start?
0: <laughs> All right, I'll go for it. I'll go for it. Go, Charles. So, so, um, it's commendable. I, I, I like how you picked a list that you haven't, uh, you haven't had much experience with. I think with a foot Rohan force, with the release of the Warren Rohan supplement, I think if you wanted to run a uh, mostly foot. I would just go with one of the legendary legions because the reason why they were kind of a memeless last edition was because they couldn't support with the throwing spears. So if you're not running a legendary legion, I wouldn't take I wouldn't take a majority of your army as foot warriors. It just it leaves you a big weakness not having that spear support. Your hero choices are a little odd. I mean, Daryl wine is pretty solid. Usually you would want to take him with Thaden with his um, free hero combat special rule. Because at 85 points, you're kind of paying a little bit over his value.
1: Yeah. Um, if he didn't have the captain, then I think Daryl a good shout. But he does have the captain for the march, so you don't really need the march and strike, which is what Darrowing brings.
0: Yeah. I mean, you could replace the captain with Elfhelm, I think. Elfhelm is about the same points and pretty decent with his three might and throwing spear ability. Uh, I do like your decent amount of throwing spears and bows to give you more flexibility. Your inclusion of royal Guard, I think, is pretty good because it's... uh, Who's your leader? Is it uh, Gandalf? Which list is
1: Gandalf from? I think it has to be Gandalf.
0: It has to be from Fellowship? It has to be Gandalf. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I like how you can just throw Theodred into combat, and, you know, you won't lose VPs if he gets wounded or dies. You have 11 Might, which is pretty decent at 800 points. But you won't be able to really have a battle line, and that worries me. And your army being defense 5 and fight 3, it's just the synergies don't really line up. So I think the rating for this one would be a minor hero.
1: I'm a bit torn, because I'm looking at it, and I know you have throwing spears on everything, which I love. Minus like three models don't have it, (laughs) out of like 40-something, so... I kind of love that. It's like the, like the Hobbit kind of list where you get close, and all of a sudden you're just taking like 40 strength three shots. That that could be pretty gross. But yeah, I think the thing I would change is just I, I would swap out Darewine's Warband for Haldir, leading some elves, a whole bunch of elves with spear and shield and, and bows. And then I think the warriors with bow and spear then throwing spears, I... <laughs> I like it for when they get into combat, but I, I think I'd rather just have the outriders, and then you can use the extra points to add some more models. Charles talked about it pretty well. Honestly, like I love Theodred, and he's really nice because he's not he doesn't have to be your leader. So I I think you actually have a pretty solid idea here, but I, I would go yeah I definitely go with Haldir instead of Daewine and, and then the elves in there. And then if you did something like that, I think you'd at least you'd be closer to like a fortitude or valor, but. Just because I think having the Spear support in the Fight 5 adds a lot to the Foot Rohan list. So if you're not taking one of the Legendary Legions, like Charles said, you really need something to boost up your, your front line. So this kind of pains me to say it, but I think I'm going to have to say Minor. Yeah, this... Because there's... well oh, you got some Royal Guards, so your Courage isn't horrible, but...
3: Like I said, I, I really struggled with what direction to take this list in, and it, it just... It was not premier baking. To, to, extend, <laughs> ex, to extend the Great British Baking Show references, yeah, this was not the pinnacle of baking. When you first look at it, I'm like, okay, this shouldn't be too hard, right? I'll I'll take some big heroes. I'll give a whole bunch of uh, warriors some horsies, and I'll just throw them in there, and that's a Rohan list. And then I tried to throw Gandalf in. And I was like, ah, I gotta I gotta change something. But then I didn't want to take in, so I knew that Darylwinds synergies would be a bit off but he was also a three might hero with strike fight five i was like eh. but yeah i think if i could change it i'd probably now that you mention it probably throw in haladir with some galadriel warriors to back them up i think that would really shore up a lot of the problems but yeah eh. yeah so i won't add more salt to the wound i'll just you know do the finishing blow and give you a minor hero alex i'm sorry
1: first time for I've been
3: voted off the island I think I've been voted off the island
1: <laughs> uh, there's, there's good potential I think if you went back and rewrote it and then like had a, had a better think about it you, you could come up with something really really solid this week has been really
3: hard for me when it comes to the think
0: alright so those were our lists for this episode with Gun Off the Grey let's move on to our open topic for this episode So the open topic of this episode is the Lord of the Rings armies versus the Hobbit armies. And the question of whether there is power creep between these two sets of armies, whether it exists, and uh,
1: kind of just how these armies differ from each other. Pre-Middle Earth edition, yes. Now that we've had a lot of these older profiles rewritten, like... Like the Elendil and Gilgalad, and like all the in like Elrond, like those were supposed to be big heroes and they could always get shut down last edition super easy because of magic. So then the changes that were made um, brought them up to this similar kind of level that all these like big mega heroes are with the Hobbit book. So I think pre Middle Earth edition, 100%. Now I think they're a lot closer. They're a lot okay. closer in, in like skill, not skill, but like levels of power, I guess.
2: Yeah, so I can only speak on, I guess, the new edition, um, but in my opinion, I think there's a really good balance right now, and I would say there's a number of Hobbit armies that are near the top in competitive rankings, but I wouldn't say they, they are uh, overall the best armies, so I wouldn't say Power Creep is really a thing, because I think the Lord of the Rings armies can be just as good
3: i'm I'm gonna agree with a lot with what Ian said. I think in the last edition, when we had these new armies coming out, were first being written, there hadn't been a rules update or a serious rules update in a good few years. There was definitely the potential for it to exist. But in the new edition, when things have been rewritten, things have been kind of recalibrated. I don't think so so much. I think every army and every hero, they have their downfall, they have their weaknesses. There's no army or hero or model that's completely infallible. So I think one way or another, it's quite even. It's just a matter of how you play, what matchups you have. Obviously, certain matchups work better for certain armies. Scenario, it all plays into it. So I, I really don't think so. I think there are a couple scenarios where you go, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. But other than that, if you look at the whole game at once, it's, it's pretty even. I do
0: think that Power Creep was a thing last edition a lot of it came to just how hard it was to obtain the models. Like it was harder to build Hobbit armies. So you had less players who played Hobbit armies. And so it was harder to get like a balanced sample size because people winning the tournaments weren't just Hobbit armies. You know, we had people, I think even more than, more than half the tournaments were won by Lord of the Rings armies. So I think there was power creep, but it was very hard to, to see when you look at the roster and the winners of major tournaments.
1: That's a really uh, good yeah. point. I think you still see that now because, at least locally, I'm thinking the only one that I can really think of where who won a tournament was when Richard ran that Lake Town Merkwood Alliance. That was a Hobbit army that won a tournament. I'm trying to think of other ones where it was just like an actual Hobbit army that won one. I, don't I also, think so.
2: I also won TYC with uh, Pierre Merkwood, Thranduil's halls.
1: Ah, right, right, okay. Fair enough. But even then, I think it's it's still kind of an issue, like Charles was saying, is you don't see the armies out as much just because they are a lot harder to collect. So I think that's still an issue. It's it's not as much of an issue now because they've just been out for a long enough time, but it is definitely still a, a reason why we don't see them out a ton. But we are seeing more. Like, we've had some Azog's Legions and some Mirkwoods and stuff out the past year or so. Well, yeah, in 2019 at least. Let's talk about Lake Town. Now, I know, Richard, you weren't around for last edition Um, (laughs) but when Lake Town came out last edition, there were many, many, many cries of OP, oh my god, this is ridiculous. And to be honest, back then, I don't think they were unfounded. There was just a little bit too much on everything, and we've had a lot of discussions about it now. They probably should just have, like, Defense 4 Max with the Shield, but I don't think they're absolutely ridiculous now. But I, I do think that's a big part of where everything came out, like all these, like, talking points of oh the hobbit like power creep is huge i think it was that and then also the iron hills when they were first released too just because that damn ballista is so good and back then it was 90 points and you know nobody had ever seen a dane before <laughs> or that version of dane and he was just crazy so i think that's where a lot of these kind of discussion and talking points came from it's a bit of carryover from the last edition but also there's definitely a reason for people that like that people say that
0: yeah you get these terms like pay to win and things that you know you occasionally hear because um, hobbit models are generally more expensive i think last edition lake town militia were about ten dollars a model and of course iron hills coming out in uh, forge World resin isn't going to be a cheap army to buy so it definitely was a. Uh, it was something that went around at least uh, locally. And I know in a couple other groups that Hobbit armies were just better.
1: And then uh, the other thing also is you get, uh, well, back then and also now because you get to keep your army bonuses, they do have really good alliances. Like in the Lord of the Rings, you do have some like really good historical alliances, but their bonuses don't stack super well. Like you can get Rohan, Ministers and the Fiefdoms, and they can all go together. like their bonuses don't really synergize super well and they're not like amazing bonuses. Whereas in here, like with Survivors of Lake Town, Mirkwood and Iron Hills, they all have really good bonuses. And then when you combine them together, you can do some pretty nasty combos.
2: Yeah, but I think when it comes to the Hobbit army bonuses, I find that most of them, as good as they are, are all tied into usually the one main hero in the list. Whereas I find the Lord of the Rings army bonuses, there's some really good ones, like the Kazadoom one, which, you know, you're re-rolling ones on all your warriors. Or even the Minas Tirith and Numenor ones, plus one courage throughout your army, I think is very underrated. So I find that Lord of the Rings army bonuses tend to buff your entire army, so it's not as flashy. But then the Hobbit ones are just usually makes... Makes your main heroes into like god tier.
1: Like because the Hobbit armies, there there are fewer armies, and a lot of them are in that separate time period. So unless you're playing like the elves or like the White Council, at least for good side, you don't have a lot of alliance options. And it's the same thing for evil, honestly. Like you you don't really get many alliance options with the Lord of the Rings stuff too.
0: I don't know. I mean, uh, Moria, Moria is uh, yellow with a lot of them, but that's about it.
1: Yeah, Moria Mor is the exception, I think, on the evil side. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I find with evil in the Lord of the Rings side, you oftentimes, with the exception of things like uh, Mordor, Haradrim, a lot of the time, really, you essentially have to find two army bonuses that you're willing to give up. You essentially have to decide early on that you are willing to forfeit the army bonuses in order to fill those gaps in your army that you need to fill with each respective part of the list, just because you're not going to get a lot of those historic alliances. There are quite few and far between.
1: I'm definitely more willing to throw together two Lord of the Rings armies just randomly in a yellow alliance than I am with two Hobbit armies. Just thinking about it right now, I think just, That might have to do, because the army bonuses are, like Richard said, they're more centered around one hero. So if you want to take that really cool hero from a Hobbit army, you kind of really want to take them in a green alliance or in a pure list.
2: Yeah, you're just more pigeonholed into a certain play style when you play the Hobbit armies. Like, um, for example, if you're talking about the triple alliance for the Hobbit good side armies, um, which is the Iron Hills, Thranduil's Halls, and the Lake Town. Like, whatever pieces that you bring, you're going to have to take either the Bard, the Thranduil, or the Dane. So there's not much leeway there, or else there's not much point in playing those armies. Whereas Lord of the Rings, you could just be more creative in how you want to build the lists and ally in a lot of different heroes to kind of shore up your weaknesses.
0: Yeah, generally, I agree. There's just less choices in Hobbit armies. It even extends to the profiles themselves. Like, if you look at any of the Hobbit, let's say, generic captains, they tend to have much fewer choices in how you kit them out compared to Lord of the Rings captains. Like, you look at a Captain Miz, Tirith, Captain Rohan, they have five, six war gear options. And then you go to, like, Mirkwood or Lake Town, a lot of them have one war gear option or none at all. So it's just, like, not only are your heroes more limited, but the options of... Uh, how you play them is also more limited, I
1: find. It's also something I, I just thought of right now. A lot of these lists only have like one hero of legend and or one hero of valor, and then it's all fortitude. So the the February FAQ where you need to have valor heroes to get into a yellow alliance is actually really affects these guys a lot. Well, this, yeah. Previously, I think we, like you'd see that lake down captain and Alfred allied in a whole bunch, right? But now, if you want to do that, you have to take Gandalf or Bard. So it's not exactly like a cheap way for like hundred points where you can get like twelve models, thirteen models, and a whole bunch of might, right? Which don't get me wrong, I think there's it's it's a good thing you can't do that anymore to all these like good lists because that was a little that was a little little bit of cheese. But it definitely hurt these lists more than it hurt the Lord of the Rings lists for sure.
0: I think that does balance out the fact that the Hobbit armies might have overall slightly better army bonuses. It just offsets that because they seem to have less choices. I think individual profiles. I don't know if you guys agree, but individual profiles in the Hobbit armies might seem at times more points efficient. Like when I look at, let's say, like a basic hunter orc. He's eight points, strength four and two attacks. So let's say the two attacks costs two points. You know, it's he's not necessarily better costed than a mortal orc, but But it's still a very good profile for 8 points, and I think it's offset by the fact that Hunter Orcs cannot take Shields or Spears. In Lord of the Rings, you see some profiles that are a little bit overcosted, and I think it's pretty rare in a Hobbit army. That might be the reason, is because they just don't have those options, and a lot of their armies, because it's so hard to ally, it's more often than not you're left with the weaknesses of the army, because you're going a peer list, or you're picking an ally your only one or two ally choices
2: that you have. So speaking of warrior profiles as well, I think another detriment to the Hobbit armies is that usually when you look at their lists, that they only have one or two different troop types. So like you said, the hunter orcs might be pretty efficient, but you don't have much other choices in that list for troops. Whereas if you look at some of the more fleshed out Lord of the Rings armies, there's just so many different kinds of troops that you can um, or variety you can fill your army with that covers a lot of weaknesses. So definitely I think the Hobbit armies just rely heavily on the army bonus to
1: carry them. So we kind of talked about the good side triple alliance a bit. Uh, I know none of us have like a lot of experience with the evil side triple alliance in this book, but what do you guys think? Uh, sorry, I'm talking about the uh, the one between uh, what is it? It's Azog's Legion, Azog's Hunters, and uh, uh, what's it called? The the necromancer one, Dark Powers of Dol Guldur. So they're all green together.
0: So I don't have any firsthand experience playing that triple alliance, but I have faced it in Toronto last year. And I don't think it's as good as the the Battle of Five Armies Alliance. It mainly comes down to the army bonuses again. So the Dark Powers army bonus improves the Necromancer's roles. Unless you take a Necromancer at high points, uh, you probably won't be using that army bonus. The Hunter Orcs army bonus, it, it depends on you taking a lot of Hunter Orcs and benefiting from the shooting. So again, if you're taking Triple Alliance, you won't really be using it that much. Uh, so it just comes down to getting that master of battle from uh, from Azog's Legion army bonus. The synergy is it has its upsides because you can take some of the ring rays from um, Dark Powers as like cheap heroes, low fight value and low defense. They still share sort of the same troop types. You still have Hunter Orcs and Gunabat Orcs as your main uh, main battle line uh, from those
1: three armies.
0: I think you would still have um, the same weaknesses.
1: Yeah, I, I'm gonna piggyback on you a bit. I, th- I think I'd agree. You kind of, you don't really, you're not using the army bonuses so much. Like you said, you, you usually get one, maybe two if you're lucky. But it just kind of, because they are all green, and because of... I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to the FAQ again, there's a lot of heroes in here that are fortitude, but they do bring like cool small special rules or like little bonuses that are like pretty good for their points. So you kind of just have your hero roster expanded rather than actually having a big alliance list where you're getting lots of like synergies. And I think we have mentioned it before uh, in our underrated Heroes episode. If you're going to take any of those three armies, you got to take the Goblin, Mercenary, and Captain with a Warband. <laughs> so cheeky.
0: Yeah, because um, the Captain is a Hero of Fortitude, so you can essentially just ally in a Warband into a mostly Dark Powers or mostly Hunters list if you wanted to.
2: Yeah, that's a must-take. So good.
0: I think there are a lot of heroes in the Hobbit um, armies where you just look at it and you just think, "Wow, they're really good for their points." Um, like, for example, like Thorin, King Under the Mountain, uh, having Dane. having, uh, Dane. Dane. <laughs> Dane, you know, Thorin having that free hero combat, Dane is incredible for his points, 160 points, and for that tank, I think that also is um, is one of the upsides for taking the Hobbit, and one of the reasons why their alliance choices aren't as there's aren't as many of them
3: yeah i tried to type what you just said into google and it just came back and said did you mean Dwallin? because <laughs> there's kind of those kind of secondary heroes i think like Dwallin, for instance you usually see him in a list with thorin thorin's your general and you're a, come into this game your your opponent's general is thorin you are thinking, i've got to target thorin And then his secondary hero is Dwalin. And I'd argue Dwalin is a better combat hero than Thorin. And it's just things like that where you're like, oh, that's going to be nearly impossible to stop because you've got to stop both somehow. And you can only really do one at a time. You see a lot of those situations. But again, like I said earlier, there's always ways around it one way or another. You just got to figure it out. There is a bit of a
1: theme, just since you're kind of mentioning it, about all of these Hobbit armies seem to hit harder in combat. At least the ones that I'm thinking of. Like, Iron Hills hits really hard in combat. Mirkwood hits really hard in combat. Azog's Hunters hits really hard in combat. Whereas a lot of the Lord of the Rings armies don't do that so much. They're more for grinding out over longer periods. What do you guys think about that?
3: Yeah, I think that could be... I think you could say that's a bit of a mismatch at times. Lord of the Rings armies are built for a marathon... Hobbit armies are built for a sprint, and sometimes that sprint wins out. I think one of the other reasons why this whole concept of a power creep really came about was probably the Iron Hills army list, just because when it came out, and this is still kind of like how I look at it, I see it as the best dwarf list in the game. High defense, good heroes. It also has crossbows. And they had the goat riders, so they they fixed the mobility problem as well. So it's one of those things where sometimes I I think, like we said, just kind of more efficient. That's just one really strong example. But I think that's where that really came from, the whole pay-to-win argument.
0: Yeah, I do remember when uh, the Iron Hills Dwarves first came out, everyone kind of looked at them and said, wow, they have everything. They're the only dwarves that have cav, and they can deny shooting and they have debatably the best dwarf hero. Like this is gonna break tournaments. It, um,
3: in the end, it, in the end, it didn't break tournaments. I think we've seen that. It definitely didn't do that. I do think it, it is did. probably kind of did. It did briefly, but I think in the end, everyone learns how to play against this kind of army. Everyone, as a community, everyone kind of figures it out and how to play against certain situations. But I definitely think that was the main thing, was when that army came out and everyone said, oh, well, this one's got everything. And as a dwarf player that had been playing dwarves since the previous edition, before this army really came to prominence, I was like, yeah, this army, it seems to have the fewest weaknesses, but there's still a weakness. It's there.
2: We kind of touched on it a little bit, but I'd say another advantage of the Hobbit armies is that because they're less common, a lot of people have less experience playing with them or against them. Mm-hmm. And so I personally have experienced when I brought like a Hobbit army to a tournament, a lot of the times people will ask me what these profiles actually do. So it's a lot harder to play against something when you have never seen it before. So it kind of gives you like a slight advantage in that sense.
1: Yeah, you can definitely do a bit of a, I don't know if this works, but like a, kind of like a meta shock. Like, it's a shock to, like, a lot of local metas if you just rock up with the Hobbit army and they don't really have a lot of experience with it, like you're saying. Because they kind of play differently, or they are, like, they do hit harder, they have, like, those better bonuses. And that's kind of where you get a lot of those auto-P. Well, it's not, it's just kind of like, you just don't, you haven't learned how to fight it yet, you know?
3: Yeah. Eventually, the, the knowledge of how to play against certain armies and what their weaknesses are, it will spread. But because you don't see them quite as frequently in tournaments... I think it would take longer, but I still think eventually once we've seen enough of it, it might take another year. It might take another two years, but we'll start seeing people figuring out what everything does, how to play against it. But yeah, definitely when you come up against an army, like if I come up against Iron Hills and I'm just kind of like, I don't know what the playbook is with these guys. It definitely is a bit of a learning curve.
1: Okay, so now here's a question for you guys. how do do we feel about smog since you know he is the biggest model in the game and he is in this book
0: i mean i played with him briefly and against him a few times i think he's just not fit for tournaments because i see him banned quite a bit i don't think he's banned because he's overpowered but just having him in the tournament and just seeing your opponent when they when when they're drawn against a smog in a scenario just seeing the look on their faces it's just not fun in most situations they're There are certain scenarios in the rules pack where Smog would instantly win. There are ones that he'll instantly lose. But just having that sort of wild card in your roster, it's kind of a little bit unfair for armies that get randomly drawn to face Smog, Because he's one model, so he's going to do poorly in any objective-grabbing scenarios. But in, let's say, Contest Champions or Lords of Battle, he's probably going to win.
1: Yeah, I I only played against him once, and... I think it was in, um, what's it called? Ilmet by Moonlight, or I know it's Clash by Moonlight now. Um, and, yeah, I had a Minas army, and it was it was a pretty boring game. <laughs> Honestly, like, once we got into the fight, I surrounded him with most of my army, and if I struck up past 10, because he's, he's just saving his uh, his might, so if I struck up past 8, you know, then I'd win the fight. I'd hit him with, you know, 40 strength 3 attacks, do, like, 2 wounds, because he's defense 9, and then we just do that for, like, an hour. (laughs) It wasn't a lot of fun, but I think in casual games, you could have a lot of fun if somebody just shows up with a smog someday, and they're like, hey, I have a smog. Somebody, a whole bunch of people bring 700-point games, let's see if you can kill them. I think that's kind of where you can have a lot of fun or in scenarios, but yeah, I agree. He's not a big uh, tournament kind of model.
3: I think any profile, especially, I think smog is the best example, but I think we've talked about Sauron in similar situations, where it's just He's either so much of your list, or in the case of Smog, he is your list. And obviously, in certain scenarios, uh, contests of champions, lords of battle, perhaps to the death, he's going to win those scenarios. But anything that involves grabbing objectives, getting models off the board, having more models on a certain objective, he's going to lose. So I, I don't think at all he's a, a tournament profile. He's definitely going to disrupt the tournament from time to time, because when someone does bring him, it means that if you draw one of those scenarios like Lords of Battle, whoever gets drawn against him is really going to get thrown off and not do well. But for the rest of the tournament, no, he's he's not. I don't think he's a winner.
0: Okay, so that is our discussion on the Lord of the Rings versus the Hobbit Armies and Power Creep. Thanks to everyone for listening and uh, look forward to the next episode of Into the West.